Welcome to the Stone Church Podcast, a series of conversations inspired by Sunday messages we hope will spark your curiosity and encourage you in your faith journey. Hi, my name is Tomi Olajide and welcome to the second episode of our four-part series, Women on Mission. Our last episode ended on a cliffhanger, so we're going to get straight into our conversation with Associate Pastor of Helps and Administration, Alana Pedder, Media Pastor, Kate Tenkate, and Recovery Group's leader, Ashley Palmer. We were at the point last week where we understood God created us to complement each other, and yet centuries of conflict and the oppression of women would suggest something went wrong. So, Alana, what do you think happened? Well, quite simply, I think sin happened. And even though I wasn't there at the time, (laughs) we can read about it in Genesis 3. (laughs) And, you know, we see the serpent enter the picture and entice Eve to be lured into sin by her desire to be like God. She really wanted to know the different, you know, she wanted to know good and evil herself. Mm. She didn't want to um, fall under God um, and and trust that he knew what was best for her. Um, You know, and then Adam, standing there, chose to sin right along with her. And one of the consequences of that sin is, as everyone probably has heard, pain in childbirth. And if you've ever given birth to a child, you can attest that there's a lot of pain involved. Um, And then the other was that a woman's desire would be for her husband, but that he would rule over her. This perfect fellowship that we were just talking about last Mm. podcast, um, it was broken as a result of the fall. And it led to alienation and conflict between men and women and people in God. Mm -hmm. You know, both men and women from this time on would desire to rule over the other instead of learning to lead cooperatively together. So as a result of that fall, we see male dominion, agonizing labor, painful childbearing, and death, which are all fruits of sin. You know, the fall put this wedge between God and human and between men and women. Mm. And though a woman's desire would be for her husband, sin marred the plan for marriage and has created tormenting inequality and subjugation down Mm. through the ages. And if you read the Old Testament, you see this. Um, Women are treated as property rather than equals. And yet we need to remember that the Old Testament descriptions of how women were treated were that. They were descriptions and they're mm. not prescriptions of actually how women should be treated. Mm. So I was doing some uh, quote unquote research on this leading up to it <laughs> and uh, AKA like YouTube videos and things, <laughs> but it's <Still> interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to see, you know, how different groups have been like analyzing the text different ways and sometimes based on this it seems pretty incorrectly um proceeding with the treatment of women in such a disastrous way you know god made us himself and he would not have made us to be um insubordinate or less than so the way that i've seen in some of my research was like almost women were object-like like their only role was to you know, get pregnant, pop out babies and stay home and take care of them. Um, but it's it's really refreshing to see that, you know, after Sin in the Garden happened, you can see while, you know, they're uh, overlooked a lot, you can see the stories of God rising up women. Mm. Um, but I think there's a lot of times where those stories get bypassed and their importance is kind of swept under the rug. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and it... 
it's had disastrous consequences. You know, the fall brought um, about a lot of mistreatment, you know, for women, um, abuse, you know, they've been suppressed mm. from using their God-given gifts to build the kingdom. And if we think about it, like how much further could the gospel have advanced by now if half the church hadn't been suppressed from fully using their right. God-given gifts? Yeah. And it, it, it shows in, uh, in practical ways in society as well. Like, you know, the, the science is in, the stats are in on communities where girls are educated and supported and given opportunity, you know, those communities thrive. Like they, you know, when they're treated as the incredible, wonderful creation of God that they are mm. and not a commodity, mm. um, those, the, the community, you know, thrives when things are invested into girls' lives. Um, it's, it's a really um, powerful to see that that, that's really an application of what was God's original purpose. And we see all kinds of not-for-profits like applying that and not even understanding that what's really happening is like God designed us to function this way, um, you know, right from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that even in the midst of, of all that that went on historically that we still see God using and raising up women in a significant way uh, even though it may have taken many years and I'd say we're not you know 100% there there's still room for improvement always but um, uh, yeah just to just to take a moment and think about how God has uh, you know lifted up women um, in so many different ways that we can see and we can really appreciate now and just understand how significant um, that is. I think that's that's something that we can thank God about, something to, to, to note, yeah. I, um, as you were saying that, I just had this thought of, I, there's obviously women in the Old Testament and then there's some, you know, pr- pretty key figures through the New Testament, but then even into the early first century church and through throughout the ages, it ma- made me start to think of Catherine Kuhlman and um, mm-hmm. Corrie Ten Boone and e- mm-hmm. even before their time, there's been some women who've, you know, really began to break the mold, the mold. In, mm-hmm. in that kind of way mm-hmm. and have really shown and they've had like significant, powerful ministries that God has used them in such an incredible way and really shown us a way yeah. even in the midst of what was even worse than now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? Like when we think of how women were viewed back then and yet we can see those flickers of hope, you know, yeah. in the Old Testament, the New Testament, yeah. and down through the ages. I know um, through my studies at Tyndale, I've done a lot of studies on women since Christ that have just stood up and did wonderful things, but it's hard to find their writings because they haven't been yeah. kept as well as yeah. um, the writings mm. from their male counterparts. But mm. even in our, the Bible, we look, you know, when we see Deborah, when Judges too. You know, she's raised up and she holds the highest office in Israel. (laughs) And God says he raised her up to save Israel from the hands of her enemies. She was a prophet and a judge. Mm. And this at a time when women were not considered to be able to do those things. That's just miraculous that that God was able to, to show people even then. And, you know, we see people like Miriam, Esther, Abigail, Hannah, and Ruth. 
and there's just so many that God used in extraordinary ways. Mm. It's amazing what even these women, when they would say yes to the call on their life and use the giftings God gave them, God could still use them despite the culture around them at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are great examples. And I, and I, and I also want to, not just great examples, but I would say great role models as well. Even when you're talking about uh, Corey Tenbrum, like I'm just remembering now, I remember like we had in our house, maybe when I was like 10 years old, like a book. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe I've just said 10 years old because of 10 in her name, but I was much younger. <laughs> <laughs> I was at least much I had a thought about it then. But yeah, just, just seeing an, uh, you know, a book about her and you just think like these kind of names, they stick with you for a long time. And as women, it's great to have these kind of role models. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say that, you know, your Miriam and your Esther that maybe aren't as highlighted as the famous Proverbs 31 woman. I don't know. Is that controversial? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Are you going to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it can be controversial. <laughs> you know, it can hold women today to an unrealistic standard. And, and once again, it's important to remember the context of scripture. And the Proverbs 31 woman was a mother's advice to her son on what a strong Jewish wife should be. And nowhere in the Old Testament do we find a woman with all these characteristics either. It was like the ideal of perfection, which Mm. nobody could live up to. And it's not all strong Christian women will look alike. And that's one thing I I think it's important for us to remember, because when people use Proverbs 31, they're like, oh, this ideal woman, and this is exactly what she should be like. But but God's given us all different talents and gifts. And what's important is that a strong Christian woman will have a strong faith that exhibits noble character and is continually growing in wisdom as she uses her gifts Mm. to the best of her ability, allowing God to empower her. On the Proverbs 31 women, (laughs) all the debates when I was in Bible college, there's been a lot of argument over whether it's a personification of wisdom. I mean, I also take it in the context of particularly when I'm up late, like like doing something for my kids, you know, and it talks about she works into the night and then rises (laughs) early in the morning. And I'm I'm like, yes, she does. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) this one does. But I I don't know if I'm as organized as as the Proverbs 31 woman. But it helps me too to understand it as as a wisdom thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that wisdom is, okay, when everyone else has gone to bed, there's going to be preparation for the next day. And before things begin to happen there's going to be preparation for the day that is and so it's really interesting Mm -hmm. as you start to get into those debates Mm -hmm. but yeah Yeah. i can see that actually because proverbs does talk a lot about wisdom yeah using she using female yeah uh, Mm -hmm. uh, words so i can actually see that argument as well um but yeah like yeah, it's, it's up for any kind we can, of debate. We so. can hang. We can just hang that one on me. Send your yeah. emails to. Their- Please don't email Pastor Elena. Email Pastor Kate. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna put a pin in that, and um, I'm gonna come at you with something hot here. So this may be a moment of like spiritual immaturity. Why in the Old Testament after sin happened, and there's a whole lot of the Old Testament and. You know, I wonder why 
is it not like why did God not come and like have it in the Bible and talk to like a prophet or something um, you know to address the oppressive treatment of women like I guess my brain has a hard time dealing with the, the the long gap of it not being addressed between when sin happened and like the patriarchal oppression of women and then Jesus coming and, and flipping that upside down and and really showing the significance of women and how we should be treated. Um, you know, Elena, do you think that you could talk to that? Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a hard time with that. Yeah. And that's a great question, mm, Ashley. Real good. Um, you know, because a lot of people question, well, why did God let it go let it go on so long? Mm. And even today still, we still see that there's still some oppression as well. Um, you know, but I think it's important to remember that God has a huge plan, a big plan, right? And part of that plan is allowing us to understand the consequences of the fall, the consequences of our sin, and understand our need that Jesus is the only one who can restore us back into right relationship with God, mm. you know? And and the, the thing is, is he did speak through prophets too. You know, I think it's interesting too that when we are talking about women being used in Hulda, probably so everyone's like, who is Hulda? You know, <laughs> never heard of Hulda. But <laughs> Hulda was actually a prophet who's mentioned in 2 Kings 22, 14 to 20, and again in 2 Chronicles 34, 22 to 28. Mm. And she was called out among all the prophets to teach the rabbis and priests in matters of holy law at the temple gates. Um, in fact, there's a gate, and I saw it when I was in Jerusalem, called the Hulda Gates that's still named after her okay. wow. in wow. Jerusalem. And it's just interesting that at the time, she was the one that, that they knew had the most um, knowledge about the holy law and was able to teach. And she taught all the men and no one was saying anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, she wasn't struck by lightning or <laughs> yeah. anything, you know. Um, and yet, and also, you know, when, when we think about the prophecy in Acts, you know, in um, Joel yeah. 2.28, Joel did say a time was coming when God's spirit would be poured out on all people and sons and daughters would prophesy. So it's all about understanding that Jesus's purpose is to restore us back into right relationship with him and with one another. Mm -hmm. And he was needed to do that. And Mm -hmm. the Old Testament is, it's hard to understand sometimes because it's really God letting us see that we can't do it by ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, you know, with, with the Israelites going around again, around again, and we got kids, we got judges and now we got a king and that's not working and now we're you know and i think in our when we have free will it's a really hard thing for us to kind of juggle with in our humanity because it it it's sort of like well hold on a second there's so much pain that's going on in in the oppression of women and and i think of all kinds of things throughout history you know, where there's been that oppression of people and all, all sorts of things like that. And so it all comes back to the sin in, in Genesis, that original sin, mm-hmm. and God's plan through Jesus for that reconciliation. And it's humbling to think about it because we don't have God's perspective of it. Like mm-hmm. he's eternal, you know, and we have, what, 80, 90 years, 100 if you're my yeah. grandmother <laughs> or more you know she's still alive wow. bless her she's amazing 
Many more years to come. Many more years to come. (laughs) You know, so if you think about that in the light of eternity, it's like a spec kind of thing, you know. And so it's very challenging to think about because it really challenges our our perspective on on our humanity Mm -hmm. and on our eternity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it comes down to, right, to to trusting that God did create us and he had a plan. Mm. And when we really look, you know, from the Bible from beginning to end, we see that plan. And we yeah. see it playing out and he gives us hints of it. He's even, you know, Genesis 3.15, it's called, I think it's the progenitor or something like yeah, that, where yeah. it, it talks about the fact that the serpent would have its time but then that it talks about Christ coming and stomping on its head and it's the woman's offspring and that's why sometimes people say oh you're saved by the offspring it's actually referring to Eve's offspring is eventually Jesus obviously Um, and he's the one who eventually defeats Satan and that's too I think why depending where you live you don't necessarily think a lot about enemies and I think because of that original sin and, and you know, what happened, I, I think it's very clear through history that, that, that the enemy has had, um, you know, a real eye on, like, women and oppressing women. And yeah. I, I don't know why I'm laughing while I say that. It just – um, it, it's very evident. And so, um, yeah, it, it's powerful for us to recognise that. Yeah. And for us to see the victory that we have yeah. in Jesus through what he did yeah. in conquering death. yeah, Yes, exactly. And it's important for us not to see men as the enemy. Sin is the that. enemy. Yeah. Men are not the enemy. Yeah, Men just down through the ages have been deceived by the enemy. Yeah. And because of that deception, it's caused harm to a lot of women. Yeah, I, I think I've heard... People um, talk a lot about this. The time in history that Jesus came, it was like the perfect time for how his ministry came out and and all of those things. And the way he interacted with women, it was the right amount for that time and that that place Mm. to be shocking. Yeah. Yes. And yet to still have people coming and for his ministry to spread and for... You know, there to be this uh, empowerment. And I've often thought about it. At that time and place in history, if a lot of this was written by women and was a lot of female stories about it, you know, there's that, that sense in me that it mightn't have been taken as seriously as it needed to be taken because of what was happening in the world. You know, I think God really knew what he was doing in having Jesus come at Mm-hmm. that moment and that time in yeah. in history. Yeah. And I think because we are so used to how women are treated today, it's hard for us to understand yeah. that Jesus was very radical in the yeah. way he treated women mm-hmm. at that time. The book Men and Women, One in Christ by Philip B. Payne really addresses that issue of the fact that at that time, they also, had, like Jesus also was sensitive to the culture at the time and introducing women in was something that had to be done gently and slowly Mm. and also that people would respect 
the gospel in a very patriarchal society mm. meant that, you know, he had to have the 12 disciples and as men mm. and, you know, other disciples were women. But that was so that people would take seriously what was happening so that they would know now is the time things have changed. Yeah. Mm. But but they needed that to be able to yeah. to take place in a cultural context as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's It's interesting that you that we've, you know, spoken about the cultural significance. Because I think um, the relative freedoms that we have today kind of make it so that we take it for granted, you know, what a lot of these women achieved yeah. at the time. Yeah. And, you know, as you've said with Jesus, even just the moments that he spoke to women, like how significant that was. Like, praise God that um, at least for for us we have an experience where we can come to christ and come yeah. to church and yeah. um, even just attending even just to be in the same building <laughs> as men or, yeah. or whoever else yeah. is you know we it's it's easy to see how we can take that for granted like that to be so bold to do what these women did that you know is a moment for them yeah, <laughs> yeah. a moment yeah. of appreciation yeah. for them and um and yeah, so as you were saying, so when Jesus comes onto the scene, it's like a cultural revolution mm. and it is like a, a a turning point in many ways, but in this context, of course, a turning point for change in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because Jesus is born into this patriarchal culture that is kind of foreign to us. It was one in which women were basically kept out of the public life. They were basically looked at as onlookers rather than participants. Mm. And, you know, in public, even men were restricted in how much they could talk to a woman, including their own wife, you know. Uh Um, And Jewish men would actually use the Tosefta to pray and thank God Mm. that they were not women. Mm. Women weren't allowed Uh to study the Torah in fact, they weren't even allowed to touch the scriptures because they thought they would contaminate them, which goes to show that that wow. thinking and that wrong thinking, <laughs> yeah. how it leads to such abuse and yeah. such um, looking down on. You know, they, they treated women as if they <laughs> they had COVID, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, like yeah. as if they all had the plague. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And, and they couldn't... Um, do anything you know that um whereas jesus comes into this culture and he takes such a different approach you know and it's so obvious when we see the interactions between jesus and women that that he loved them Mm -hmm. and he saw them as his beloved children you know just like the men and jesus taught even though rabbis at that time were not permitted to teach women jesus taught women and and they were among his disciples just not um you know and like I said, that, like Kate mentioned, that is so, so counterculture yeah, at the really. time. And in the space of two chapters in Luke, we see Jesus break the law regarding contact with ceremonially unclean women. He touches a dead girl and restores her to life, allows a hemorrhaging woman to touch him, and lets a woman wash his feet which I know to us seems like, wow, that's not a big deal. But back then, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's so true. Like, we read those things and we're just like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, whoa. yeah. Wow. She washed his feet. But when you, when you get that, that cultural and historical context to it, 
all of a sudden you see these women in the Bible, they are warriors. And they themselves had such a strong conviction of what they needed to do in that moment and had, you know, that heart for God and that conviction for it to to go past all those cultural norms, to break past into what they knew was potentially, not even potentially, was going to bring ridicule and shame. Shame, yeah, yeah. I love that Jesus' interactions with Mary and Martha too. Like, um, I don't know if you've got other family that are, other friends that are kind of like your family. I always read it like that, you know, like Jesus had the people he grew up with and then he had these other friends who were kind of like this family he'd go yeah. and hang out at their house and whatever and you know the way he talks to Martha when she's like you know flapping around like well I'm gonna get all these things done he's like hey and and Mary's just sitting there listening to him talk <laughs> you know and he's 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 like Martha there's a time for all of that and there's a time to just come and sit and listen you can put all that stuff down mother I'm talking to you right now. You can put all that stuff down and you can sit and you can have a moment with Jesus. That's Jesus said it. Yeah. It's allowed. That in itself, for him to say to a woman, stop preparing all the things you're supposed to be preparing for all the people that you're supposed to be serving and preparing for and come and sit and we don't we don't always get that. We just think, oh, here's this guy, you know, mm-hmm. saying calm down lady no that's not it at all Mm. no there's so many yeah excellent point though because I think some people think of it as like yeah he's he's telling her to calm down and and no he's inviting her yeah to stop the busyness and to stop what she's supposed to typically be doing as a woman in that Mm. time yeah and you know as the oldest that, that she's the host of the family yeah. to, to do all these things. He's inviting her to stop. Hmm. No, it's more important for me to teach you. Mm. And to teach women at that time was like unheard of. Yeah, Women don't need to be taught because they need to be doing all those other things yeah. that hmm. take caring, taking care of the men. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I mean, we can delete this later, but <laughs> <laughs> if needed, just put love, that out there. I love those ones. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the social media thing? Posted this, might delete later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or thought this was cute, might delete later. So um, it, it makes me think of today. First of all, I felt convicted, Alana, when you were saying, uh, you know, he invites us to stop. And even you, Kate, um, he invites us to stop the busyness and just enjoy time with him. Like mm. that personally, like hits me in my soul um, because I, I, I can get wrapped up in my busyness. And yeah. and mm-hmm. in today, this is still a thing where us as women, we are mm. taught and nurtured to do all the things and, 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 you know, run corporations, but also come home after a long day of work and be a mother and be a wife and do it all on no sleep and do it without complaining. And, um, and it, it's, it's easy yep. to get wrapped up in that I got to do all the things to give me my worth and my value yeah. rather than my worth and value comes from Jesus. But sometimes we can be blindsided that we're pushing Jesus aside to check off all of our, our stuff on our to-do list. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, it just makes me think of that. And it reminds me that like, 
you know, while I have this list of things I have to get done, it's like, you know what? Jesus comes first. Jesus gave me this list of things that I have to get done. So how dare I push him aside for the validation of accomplishments in the world because yeah. this world is going to end. And yeah. so anyways, I just felt personally convicted in a way, in a good way. And yeah, I just yeah, thought yeah. I'd, so I don't know if no, some of that was wrong to say no, in this I world, but um, yeah, it's just how I, I feel. I think it's great, Ashley, because yeah. you have brought up a really great point that I read a, uh, a book, <laughs> full disclosure, it's a book my friend wrote, but I just read it recently and she brings up that fact that a lot of times, and particularly in church life, every person goes through times of um, singleness, but particularly um, women, you know, whatever kind of singleness we find ourselves in, we can put a lot of pressure on women to be like, well, you're single and you should be able to get all of these things done and more and whatever else. And yet Jesus, he really blew the lid off that kind of thing too. We can kind of, you know, push in church life, kind of push um, women aside in that way, uh, that sense as well. Whereas Mm -hmm. Jesus really old women, married women, single women, like there was this sense of like, I see you and I see your situation and I'm here to tell you that God loves you, that there's a plan and a purpose for you. Like, mm-hmm. like Jesus was very direct with these women and, and that in and of itself is, I keep saying revolutionary, shocking, but <laughs> it was. But it's yeah. amazing, yeah. you know, yeah. even today that, that he sees us and, I think maybe someone out there needs to hear that, that, yeah. that God sees you yeah. and he loves you mm. and you don't have to strive. You just have to abide. I think sometimes we get the idea that we have to do all these things so that we're accepted by God, by just the people around us. But the truth is, is God says, just abide in me and we yeah. should find rest in him and you know, we need to learn to operate in our gifts because when we're operating in our gifts, we're more energized. Mm. And I think too often we spend time trying to do what we think other people think we should be doing rather than doing what God (sighs) has told us and called us to do. And we need to let go of the things that we're not called to do and let somebody else do them. That doesn't mean that we don't serve because we're all called to serve one another. But you know, there's a time when we're all called and everybody's got to pitch in, but mm. the majority of our time should be spent doing what God has called us to do. And we'd all feel that idea that, and I know for my own life that I came to a point where I had to realize that and, and the difference in how I feel, the energy, and just knowing this is what God made me to do. Yeah. You know, this is what I was called for. This is my purpose and my mm. plan. And you just know that and it energizes you mm. instead of depletes. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think you've all made some, such great points. And, you know, when you were saying about um, Jesus trying to make the point to Martha that you can actually just relax, come and rest with me. Um, I do agree that it's, you know, it's easy for us to forget how significant just that concept, just that idea was at that time because of how women were treated. But then on the other hand, you know, with what you were saying, Ashley, it, it makes me feel that even today has much really changed. Like we have more <laughs> yeah. relative freedom, yeah. but we are still busying ourselves and running around and, and not really, uh, I guess, coming to terms or coming to agreement with the concept that we can actually just be still 
in Christ. But then at the same time, a third one to drop that in there, you know, as you were saying, you know, rather than just busying ourselves with things that we think that we should be doing, I want to, I guess, raise a point just to add here that perhaps if you're not sure, I know we're going to talk about this later, but if you're not sure what your calling is, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's almost comfort in busying yourself Mm. with stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, once you have that knowledge, then, you know, you can take the step forward and it's just more about uh, having that courage. But I feel like there may also be like a bubble or let's say a comfort zone in maybe you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing or there's no courage to think Mm. about it. So we have the prescription of what women should be doing both then and now with mm-hmm. you know the way society changes so we'd rather just distract ourselves yeah with stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> rather yeah. than you know spend time with god and say what do you want yeah me to do what's your calling for me yeah. just a, <laughs> another one to add into yeah, the yeah. conversation yeah. but yeah. I, just I what, I, what i thought when you were talking there yeah, yeah. yeah. i have a, a few friends that we've had conversations like this and sometimes the busyness is because we really don't know what our calling is and we're like okay well I'm gonna do all the things and maybe I'll you know something will stick out and then there's other ones where and I say we in general uh, (laughs) and there's other times where we're like well god forbid I be quiet and actually hear from god what my what my calling is am I gonna be okay with that so it's almost like denial and distraction to be like la 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 I can't hear you (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, because no, I'm too afraid point. to actually hear what you want me to do. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. interesting. Yeah. Different well, sides of the spectrum. It, that's kind of the thing too, right? Like you know, in the Bible, the, the things that we're commanded the most is do not fear, because God knows that we're going to fear. Uh, but I think that one of the things we fear the most is change mm. as people. So it's it's um, more comfortable to keep busy and feel mm. stressed out. But it's it's like what you know. and it's kind of manageable but when you give it all to God and you submit it all to him it becomes scary because I don't know if I can do this what if he calls me to something that I don't want to do (laughs) you know or what if and I know for myself I had to overcome a lot of fears to do what God calls me to because I know I didn't naturally want to get up and talk in front of anybody. I'd rather mm-hmm. faint. And, and I did faint the first time I ever <laughs> did. Oh, yes. really? So, so it's wow. like, it's not something that, and people would think, well, it's just not your gift. Well, well, no, it's just that Satan was trying to put a lot of fear in that yeah. area in my life to keep me from doing what God had called me to do. So I had to confront a lot of my fears, which came from, you know, a fear of rejection. Yeah. You know, yeah. and by dealing with those issues where that came from, I found healing and then the other issue just resolved itself you know those fears went away and and that's what God wants to do for all of us Mm. so it comes down to trust right Isaiah 26 verses 3 says if we trust in God Mm. he will (laughs) come through he's he's there for us so we just have to remember that we have to trust that he will give us what we need to do when we step out in faith and that's really where faith comes Mm. taking that step that that God's called me to do this he has told me he's given me gifts to do this and I'm going to use them you know that doesn't mean that we don't um, develop those gifts but but we trust that God will will take us through and you know use them for his glory 
And sometimes I think that the reason God's able to use women is because, you know, we've been so humbled through the ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, when you think about, and I think we're going to talk about this after, but, you know, when we see the women stayed with Jesus at the cross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because they weren't afraid. Yeah. Because the men had always been lifted up. Mm. And, you know, when we think about the Bible, it talks about pride comes before a fall. Mm. And all of those disciples fell yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they all fleed and, yeah, and yeah. you know, they disappointed themselves, but they had to learn that lesson that, yeah, yeah no, you're not actually that great. You know, like <laughs> without God, you need God too. You know? <laughs> like, and yet the women who were humble knew their need for God. And that's why they'd, they'd go out of their way and put themselves in spots where they could be ridiculed and told, you shouldn't be here. This is not for you. Mm. They would be okay with that because they were coming from a place of humility. And, and that's why it's important for us to remember that, that leading is not ever a pride thing. It's mm. always to be done as servants and with humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I like that. The cert, like when, when we can think of leadership, especially in like in the secular world, we can think of it as the status versus, you know, we try to think of it, through the church as servant-hearted and um, doing for others. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think I brought us a little bit off topic. No, <laughs> I actually think it's really good because because yeah. what what it is is it's it's identifying the things that that Jesus really identified in these in these various women. And when you talk about like wanting to hide from your call and wanting, you know, kind of not wanting to be seen and all of that, you know, that really relates to, and you, this was in your message, mm-hmm. is the the woman at well, the Samaritan, you know, woman at the well. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but my understanding is that the time of day she was going to the well was not when everyone mm-hmm. should, when the women were going to the well because she was ashamed mm-hmm. and hiding from her history and her situation and all of this. And Jesus says, you're not telling me the whole story here. You know, there's been this series of husbands that you had and I know why you're getting water in the middle of the day because you don't want to be talking to the other women. And he has this interaction with this woman that so changes her life Mm -hmm. that she then goes and completely changes her community. I don't know if you want to, could you, it's, you yeah, talked about but, in your message. But no, it's it's just it's just amazing that that Jesus would pick this woman who had, like you said, a less than yeah. stellar reputation. And and he used her to 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 actually proclaim a bigger message. That women are not just worthy of hearing his message, but of spreading it. Yeah. And not just any woman, because you know, we come to Christ and he takes away all our sins you know, our past, present, and future sins. Mm-hmm. And people think, I can't be used because look at my past. I I did this in my past. But but we see from this example that, that God says no. Like Jesus says, you know, a woman, a Samaritan woman, <laughs> who would have also yeah. just mm-hmm. been looked down because she was a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman who was looked down by the Samaritans because yeah. she had a less than stellar reputation and Jesus uses her 
to spread the good news. And it's just amazing because she goes and shares this good news with her community and people listen to her yeah. because they see. And that's the amazing thing is when God changes us and transform us, transforms us, people see that. Yeah. And it draws them to Jesus, this God who can change someone so completely. Thing is, is if Jesus and his disciples, if they had followed the cultural norms of their day, they would have ignored that woman. They would have right. ignored all women when it came to sharing the gospel. Yeah. But oh. they didn't. You know, and like we had mentioned, I sort of touched on it a bit. Like Jesus's 12 disciples abandoned him at his crucifixion. And then these women followed him. They're the first to visit the tomb. Yeah. And they're given the privilege mm. of being the first to testify of his resurrection, mm-hmm. yeah. which we don't understand is so important. Like, right. Because at the time, a woman... <laughs> didn't have a voice yeah. a woman was a nun entity yep. so to give a what to and it's just amazing to me too how real the bible is you know yep. it uses a woman which it's like because it's it's so true yeah <laughs> you yeah. know whereas other <laughs> yeah. other yeah. other um texts from those days would have tried to hide that because no one would believe us if it yeah. was from a woman yeah. that that the first testimony came from you know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but it's so that Jesus blessed a woman with the privilege of being the first to say yeah, he he's alive. is alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, further evidence of how different and significant Jesus' approach to women was in comparison to the cultural norm of the day. And it doesn't stop there, of course. Yeah, no, it doesn't. You know, after Jesus's ascension in the New Testament, in Acts, we see the spirit filling of men and women alike. So that prophecy in Joel that we had talked about in another episode, this new eschatological error comes in where God pours out his spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy. And if you ever if you want to read about it, you can read about that in Acts 2, 17 to 18 and 21. Um Woman and man, and this is what we need to remember, woman and man have been given Holy Spirit to empower them together mm. to be witnesses, to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. And mm. when we cut women out of that, we are cutting off 50% or more mm. of um, those witnesses. Yeah. And that's just not right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to a podcast recently and I just, I found this kind of humorous where, you know, the guy had said his opinion that, you know, not allowing women to um, be in leadership and, and teach and preach was basically like saying, you know, left-handed people take, can't take communion. <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was kind of silly, like just the outrageousness of it. Yeah. You know? no, so yeah. Just, that would be me. <laughs> you, <laughs> no communion for me. You know, I was, I was thinking of that too, because you think about how much our world has advanced in just the last hundred years. Oh, wow. And it's yeah. only been in the last hundred years that women in general and the whole world have been able to come into positions of influence in the world yeah. and into um, things that they would have not been allowed to do before. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see how this combined effort together yeah really has just exploded right our world mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and you write that it's it, it's really needed men and women so many we reference all the time you referenced it earlier you know that his spirit will be upon all flesh 
in you know, I remember in preaching classes and different things, I remember the guys had they had some there was some joke about um well yeah, women women can preach but you know, it's kind of like a dog dancing on its hind legs. They can do it, but it's not natural. You know? Like wow. I mean <laughs> crazy, <laughs> right? Joking. Like crazy. <laughs> Out of sheer And shock. if you you know, that's how the joke was. Like imagine what the actual thing and I know and I know my mum you know, she she spoke a lot and in a lot of different places and and it's really interesting how it was okay for her when they didn't have a youth pastor or a young adults leader for her to run everything and be preaching and teaching and doing it all but then oh well now we've employed a man to do stuff so like thanks for taking care of everything you know and I think I'm so glad that we're in a time where that is becoming the exception Yes. You know, where that's starting to dissipate. And we're mm. now coming into a time where we're seeing the fullness of the bride of Christ. Yeah. You know, like move into their giftings and move into into the places of influence and move move into um the places that they've been called to regardless of male or female, but mm. you know, who what has God called you to? Mm. And where are you serving? You know, what has he put in your hand? And that's the thing that comes through scripture all the time. You know, it's like, what has God put in your hand? You know, that Moses moment, the Esther moment Mm. for such a time as this. And then it's that almost like that calling of the disciples, like, are you willing to be, are you willing to be used and served? I mean, we don't like the word used a lot, but are you willing to like give that service and and give Mm -hmm. your life to that? And um, the power of that image of not just 50% of the yeah. bride of Christ being released, but all of us mm-hmm. is powerful. Wow. Yeah. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to encourage or perpetuate or whatever the dog joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that might be one of those, uh, we'll, we'll delete that later no, moments. <laughs> with that said, actually, um, what came to mind there is the underdog. And <laughs> that's why I'm like, I don't oh, want to keep, yeah. but I love a good underdog yeah. story. Uh, there's a reason why underdog movies are yeah. more beautiful or are well-liked then you know your typical like you know superman saves the day yeah (laughs) kind of they're more relatable exactly so uh yeah that's why i say i don't want to you know emphasize (laughs) that dog but on the flip on the flip side you know with what we were saying women having to have that humble position kind of makes it all the more significant uh the achievements that we see in the bible and even to this day because they came from that quote-unquote underdog position so Mm -hmm. something positive to take out of that i i kind of like that imagery but um yeah yeah exactly food food for thought but you know ultimately we can clearly see that the scripture that god in the scripture sorry that god created us to complement each other ultimately to share this life together to follow christ together so as you've mentioned there have been a lot of improvements in recent years but why is it that only in the past century have we started to see a greater freedom and release into ministry for women 
Well, I think we're going to have to wait for the next episode for that. Is that mm-hmm. how that works? Yeah, that's how it works. Oh. Let's do that then. <laughs> Fast yeah. forward, listener. Fast yeah. forward. <laughs> <laughs>